the first thing we see is a release of God's power. It actually happened, right? This baby that he promised to a barren woman who was 90 was born. It was a big, big, big deal. I want to show you some scripture here. Romans 4.18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. This was a miraculous birth. It wasn't an immaculate conception, but it was a miraculous conception. This was not supposed to happen. She had been barren since she had started her life. There was no children that she had ever born. And you got to think about in that time, in that period, that was children birthing were huge. It was huge. It was such a part of her identity, but their bodies were as good as dead, but God gave them this miracle child. Abraham and Sarah experienced the miraculous resurrection of God's power within their bodies. God, because of their belief. It's through faith and patience that we see this fulfillment of God's promise. Hebrews 6, 11, it says that our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make, we make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. God chooses our faithfulness to fulfill his promises. Isn't that wild? That's unbelievable to me when I think about it. God chooses our faithfulness to see his power released. You see, before he had a plan working out with Sarah and all those things, I wish they would have waited. Man, can you imagine what it would have been? Even the joy that they would have had if they would have waited and Hagar would have not entered into the picture. But God chose their faithfulness, even though it was faulty, along the way to fulfill his promise. We see the release of God's power. The second thing we see is this beautiful reward of patience. He had promised him 25 years ago, and it was now 13 years past Ishmael being, being born that Sarah still did not have a child. He promises him again in chapter 19, and he says, look, it's going to happen one year from now. I'm giving you a specific time. They still had to be patient. Is there any moms in the room? Raise your hand if you're a mom. A lot of us in here, most of us. Uh, dads, obviously, were probably right beside him. Um, do you remember what it was like to hold the baby, your baby, on, the, on those first moments? You remember what it was like to have this anticip anticipatory kind of joy, but it was different than the kind of joy when the, when the baby got there? You can get a room ready. You can do lots of things in, in uh, anticipation, but there's a difference that happens when this baby enters the world, I will tell you a little bit of a funny story. So our child birthing experiences with Jemaine's in there uh, with all the kids ministry now. Praise, thank you, man. I appreciate you. She's hanging out like 10 babies. So um, the first um, our Maddie girl, when she was born, uh, she, Amanda goes into labor at 7 a.m. 
Uh, we go to the hospital. She gets like um, the epidural, so there's no more pain. But that completely slows down her having this baby. So she stalls out at nine centimeters, and the baby's born at 4 p.m. So from seven to four, we're just like hanging out. She ends up having to have a spinal tap. It was kind of crazy. But baby's born, we're like, ah, so beautiful. Audrey Claire, um, Amanda got sent home the night before Maddie was born because she's like, I'm in labor. They're like, no, you're not. You'll know for sure. So the second time she's like, all right, I'm for sure going to be sure before I go. So, they so they don't send me home. She, her water breaks in the parking lot and we go into the triage. And why are they asking women who are giving birth all these like check-in questions. Have y'all seen this? It's completely ridiculous. Like, hey, let's get your insurance. She's like, I'm having a baby, right? And so out of triage into labor and delivery, nine minutes later, my child is born. <laughs> the baby was coming, coming, coming. And I remember the different experiences when these children were born, it's like this magical, beautiful moment, but there is a reward of patience along the way. They, I've already said this, but think about the pain point this had been in Sarah's life, her whole journey through her culture, her experience, everything. But now she was, oh, she was also living with the man who was called the father of multitudes. Can you imagine how like consistently shamed she felt? Not because of what God had said not come true, but because of the way that she was allowing people and the way that people were probably treating her. It was this beautiful parental joy, but they also had tons of joy because it wasn't just parental joy. It was also this fulfillment of God's 25-year promise. It was a beautiful reminder for them and all the people around that it, God will fulfill his will in his own way, in his own timing for a specific purpose. So listen to this. If he's not answering now, he's waiting for a reason and there's a reward that can happen in the waiting. God calls us to wait on him and he does things internally to us when we wait our spirit, our faith can be built in waiting in a way that honors God. I ask my girls when they're being impatient all the time, hey, what is patience? What is patience? Patience is waiting with a good attitude, I tell them. Waiting with a good attitude. I think it's the same thing that I can apply to us. Waiting with a good attitude, knowing that God's timing is perfect. I guarantee you, Sarah wanted to bear children when she was 26 years old when she was 27, probably earlier than that, 20. Back in the day, right? Way back in the day. 20, 25, 30, she wanted to bear children then. She wanted things a certain way that she saw everybody else happening. But what God wanted to do is create this beautiful miracle through her, but she had to wait. It's like that, uh, I'm gonna give two scenarios. One is in sports. I remember uh, playing basketball at Boiling Springs High School and I played for a coach called Coach Langer. Did anybody grow up with Coach? Did you know Coach Langer? Um, you remember Coach Langer? He was in, um, uh, he was in a, an accident at work that his ring got caught in machinery and it took all three of the fingers. And so he had two he was, he was two-fanger Langer. And so that's who he was. And he was a mean son of a gun on the basketball court. He would work us to death. And uh, one, one day at the end of practice, uh, he said, all right, somebody's got to make two free throws in a row and, we're, and practice is over. If not, you're going to run uh, lines 
I think the old word used to be suicide. We're not going to so you touch the free throw line, you run back to the baseline. You touch the half court line, you run back to the baseline. You touch the other free throw line, back, all the way down to the baseline and back, and that's one. And he said, we're going to run these until somebody makes two free throws in a row. We ran 27 <laughs> down and backs or line, let's call them lines, that night. And I'm puking. I'm literally, we almost all puked. And we're like, please, somebody make it. They're like, Why are you doing this to us? He said, you're, we're going to be better basketball players here. You're going to be in better shape, but you're going to go through hard things in your life, and I'm teaching you how to do it. And I was like, whoa, I'm in the eighth grade. My mind's blown, like, whoa, this is crazy. But also, can we please stop right now? I remember that. There, there was reward and patience. I remember the very next game, it was the fourth quarter, and you can tell the other team was getting gassed, and we absolutely blasted them because of the, pre the preparation that we had put into it. Um, just a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a month or so ago, there was somebody in this room, her name rhymes with Schmalen, uh, who was in a play at North Greenville. Uh, she was, Jalen was in a, a performance at North Greenville called A Year with Frog and Toad. Uh, and she was hilarious and she did a great job singing the whole thing. This kid's musical, my kids listened to it for literally weeks on repeat after this thing. So I appreciate it. I mean, I had to hear it over and over and over and over and over. Um, but what would have been like if you got the part and the very next day you had to perform? Pretty bad, right? Sometimes there's this beautiful thing that has to happen at the end, but God has to prepare us along the way for it. If you get a script in your hand in one day, it's gonna be very, very bad for you to try to complete it. There is work that has to happen inside of you a lot of the times to see this promise fulfilled the way that God wants it to. So if there's something that you're praying for, if there's something that you're asking God for, if there's something that you're on your knees about, if there's something that you need an answer for and he's not giving it to you, he's not giving it to you because he doesn't love you. He's not giving it to you because he's got a perfect time and a perfect plan and a perfect season for it. And it might take a really long time. It might take a really long time for this thing to play out, but it might be the perfect season. A lot of you guys know my daughter, Audrey, has had horrific eczema, so bad that it was really even hard to go over to my parents' house for a season. Oh my gosh, we had to do everything. There's covers on all the pillows. There's covers in the house. We had to pull rugs out of our house. So bad. So, so, so bad. We're praying for years. Like at this point, multiple years, God, you've got to help us. You've got to do something. And I needed an answer like then and there, right? Because my child has infections on and inside of her body because of all, anyway, the Lord is right now, right now in this season answering prayers that we've been praying for a couple years, right? I know that prayers have been answered. Uh, Sabrina's got a pacemaker now. That's a big deal. The uh, Lord kept Allie safe from a car wreck this weekend, right? Sometimes there are beautiful things that happen along the way that we've got to wait in patience for. Here's what Isaiah 40 says. A lot of you guys know this. Have you not heard? Do you not know the Lord is the everlasting God? Somebody say amen to that this morning. The creator at the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. And the young men 
shall, and young men shall fall and be exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Renewing their strength equals, or excuse me, waiting in patience equals a renewed strength by God. He, when you wait, he will actually give you more faith when you wait in the right way. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. You've got friends that are running the New York Marathon today, right? Can you imagine running and not growing weary? <laughs> they shall walk and not be faint. Here's the cool part. There can be just as much joy in the waiting because of the nearness that you can receive from the Lord. Answers are good. Answered prayers are awesome. Peace in our life is great, but peace doesn't come from circumstance. Peace comes from the presence of God. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. A better miracle can even happen when we wait. There is a closeness that he wants us to have. He wasn't punishing Sarah for being barren all those years through the difficulties that she faced. He was setting her family up and her to be a part of a miracle. Has anybody ever seen a miracle? It is awesome when you see it. Uh, there's a guy that I, I know you know, Thomas Nix. Um, he had a, he brought us a x-ray of his lungs with cancer on it. Um, we gathered together as a North Spartanburg student ministry. There was multiple others, there was hundreds of people at this point. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. The next week he goes to the doc doctor, he gets an x-ray, he comes back and shows it to us. That same lung x-ray had no cancer on it. It was nuts. There is a woman that I know um, named Kristen Randall at New, where the church that came from last at New Spring. Um, she goes in and she has a liver biopsy. She's not well, she's not doing well. And it says she has stage four cirrhosis of the liver. So your liver can heal itself up to a certain point, but stage four cirrhosis, there's no healing that can happen. We got the chance to pray over her um, as a staff and as a body of believers. She goes back to the doctor. She has another biopsy. She goes, huh, it's not as bad as it was the last time. That's super weird. And within three weeks, she had completely normal enzyme levels completely normal enzyme levels. So sometimes you may be going through something in your life. The Lord may be allowing it, even just almost exactly like Kristen. It says, hey, this thing is dead and it can't be repaired. That's exactly where God needs it to be so that a miracle can happen. A miracle can happen. So I wanna build all of our faith this morning. No matter the hardships and the difficulties that you are going through, there is a reward that can happen when we are patient. I want you guys to check out this quote by this absolute king of a biblical scholar. He says, every champion was once a contender that refused to give up by none other than uh, the Reverend Bishop Rocky Balboa. <laughs> right? Not a biblical scar. There's a real question in there. Is there any area of your life that you can renew your strength in the Lord? Is there an area of your life right now that you can renew your strength in the Lord? Maybe it's a close relationship that you have and you're really weary with it and you want it to be right. 
You want it to be good, but there is struggle along the way. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's your significant other, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife. Whatever that relationship is, you feel like you keep hitting a wall against it. I'm telling you, right now, the Lord's got a plan for it and he's gonna use your faithfulness to carry out a promise. Is there an area of your life that you can renew your strength? So there's a reward of patience, but there's also a realization of his greater purpose. There's a realization of his greater purpose. The future redemption of a lost world begins with a baby boy being born. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) Isaac was a father. He became the father of Esau and Jacob. And Jacob, through Jacob, His 12 sons would be the 12 tribes of Israel and through one of those lines would come the real baby that was born that came to save the world and his name was Jesus. Each link of that chain, starting from Abraham down to Isaac, down to Jacob, each single piece of the link is drawn out. We can see it. We can see the lineage of it. And some of those names are a big deal. Some of those names are kings. Some of those names maybe feel to biblical standards insignificant, but each one of their stories had a miraculous purpose. It was to see Jesus Christ to be born. So there's a question in it for us. You may wonder uh, if what you do or who you are is really important to God, uh, but yes, it is in this world, it is. And also that's why it's so vital that we're to be faithful and trust God's plan because he chooses to use our faithfulness to carry out the plan. The significance in the plan of Abraham and Sarah um, giving birth is huge. And I want you to see this picture. So there's Sarah and there's Hagar and there's law and there's grace. Hagar represents Mount Sinai where the 10 commandments were given and the law was given and what it really led to was death. All it was was a mirror that says, wow, I am really sinful sinful, and I cannot do this on my own. And Hagar represents that. But Sarah represents this new covenant with God who says, I'm gonna bring through goodness. And then it's, uh, in the Bible, it talks about her being the heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem, this beautiful covenant of grace. Law and grace. Check this out. God wanted to do miracles all the way through. Sarah was known for, uh, for grace, and she was called grace in the New Testament. Abraham was uh, made righteous by his faith. Isaac was born by grace through faith. God was setting up miracles the entire time, not just her being 90 years old, over and over and over and over. He wanted to show himself in these pictures. There were so many second sons in the Bible that God chose, and I believe that he did that just to show his intentionality. Because normally, the first son was the one who was to inherit everything. But God said, I just want you to know that I'm in this picture. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, Right at the very beginning, Cain was rejected and Abel was chosen. Obviously, Ishmael was born first, but but Isaac was chosen. Isaac's sons, Esau was born first. Jacob was chosen. 
when God was sending the plagues. He didn't send the plagues on the second son. It was the first son, and the second son was saved. There was multiple times along the way, and I believe that as another wink from God that says, I'm being intentional about this. I'm thinking through this. This was his grand plan and his grand purpose for doing all this. And so this baby was born. They've got him. She's got him in their arms, and she's so excited. And then she begins to wean him and grow him up. And man, the story is just perfect and wonderful after that. I wish. It's not. It gets crazy. And let's read. Um, So Genesis 21, verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Children were weaned a little bit later in life because of the goodness and nutrition that mothers could give instead of what was, you know, the water wasn't as good and as clean. You got to think about the food that they're eating. Uh, there, was more, there was more benefit to weaning a child later. The Bible says that he was between three and five when he was weaned. And so that would make Ishmael between 14 and 17 years old. Because between chapter 16 and chapter 17, the Bible says that 13 years had passed. So Ishmael, somewhere between 14 and 17. Uh, There's a great feast. Verse 9, but Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And some translation says was mocking Isaac. And she said to him, get rid of that slave woman and her son for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, don't be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned or that your offspring will be counted or will be named. Sorry, I lost it. Here it is. There it is. 13. Um, I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. Let's pause right there. Isaac, I've said it, means laughter. He brought joy. The people were laughing with and over him being born. The Bible never mentions that Ishmael brought laughter. The Bible did say that he would grow up to be a wild donkey of a man. Uh, But God made him a promise, which we're going to soon see played out. The two lineages were not going to be able to live together at peace. Um, They were told to go, but we're going to see that they were not forgotten when they were told to go. Starting in verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat about a bow shot away, which is about 100 yards. For she thought, I cannot watch this boy die. Can you imagine the desperation at this moment? Can you imagine what she's feeling? I cannot watch this boy die. And then she sat there and began to sob. Remember the word sob. Uh, Verse 17. God heard the boy crying. The Hebrew word there has more than a connotation of just tears coming down your eyes. It's crying out to the Lord. It's saying, God, help me. God, save me. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called 
to Hagar from the heavens and said, what's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, remember that in verse 19, and she saw the well of water. So she went and filled the skins with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became a skilled archer. While he was living um, in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. So let's back up just a little bit. Can you imagine the despair she's in? She gets sent out with maybe a skin of water and maybe a little bit of food. And she's like, oh, he's like, all right, sorry, you gotta go. That's super unbelievably tough. And I bet at that moment, she was feeling unbelievably unseen and uncared for by God. And so she sits her boy down in despair and goes off about 100 yards because she doesn't want to watch them bake to death and die. Horrifying picture when you think about that as a parent. I can't even put my mind around it, but it's another beautiful way that the Lord wants to show us that he's with us even in the hardship. If we go back to Genesis 16, when Hagar comes on the scene, Sarah brings Hagar into the picture. She says, all right, let's do this. We gotta make this baby happen, all the things. She gives them to Abraham. They get married. She has a son and Sarah loses her mind, right? She's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? She mistreats Sarah and she runs off into the wilderness. So we're gonna pick up Genesis 16, seven. I think I got this on the screens. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. All right, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Okay, so let's stop and pause just for a minute. This wasn't an angel of the Lord. This was the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is the messenger. There are some biblical scholars say that in Genesis 16, this angel, this messenger could have been Jesus meets her in the desert, found her near a spring in the desert. It was beside the road to Sir. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? He's like, yeah, I already know where you are, but can, can we start a conversation? I'm running, I'm running away from my mistress. And she said, the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And then he gives her this blessing from then on. We're gonna skip down to verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For I said, now I have seen the one who sees me. That is why the well is called Bir Laha Roy which is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Kadesh, Bered, and in between those things is Beersheba. She is wandering in the exact same place where the Lord met her 17 years prior to that. And I believe that the difference in her not being able to see was she sat down in despair and the boy cried out for God and help. 
God wanted to be there for them. He wanted them to ask, ask for my help and I'm gonna give it to you. The scripture above that says, her eyes were opened and she saw a well in Beersheba. There's scholars that believe it could have been the exact same well that God met her at 17 years ago. Unbelievable. The amount of provision that he was about to give them and all he needed for them to do was to cry out. He said, I made a promise to you. Remember that? You didn't have to give one that I met you 17 years ago. And I said that your son would have descendants. I know it's hard and I know it feels tough, but you forgot about that promise. You forgot about it, but your son cried out to me and I'm gonna give you a way out of this disaster and this wreck. And it said the Lord was with him as he lived in the desert. That means he was thriving. That always meant in the Old Testament that they were thriving. The Lord was with them. They had favor. God gave Ishmael, the son of a slave, favor because of his promise that he originally had made to Abraham. And God was with them even in the desert. And so here the question is, if we're feeling like, like we're in the desert and we're in despair, is there a promise that God has already given us that we can look back on and know his goodness from? I can tell you this, we can look back at this story. Abraham had to have much different kind of faith than we do. We have to have faith that he did it. Abraham had to have faith that he was gonna do it. We can already look back and see the promises that have been fulfilled in the way that God operated right in between Kadesh and Bered was Beersheba. So there's great news for us. There's provision. What God wanted to do in the Old Testament, in the physical, he wants to do for us here and now in the spiritual. Is there, is there a way that he needs to open your eyes? Can you remember who God says you are to him? Can you remember what you've been called into? Or are circumstances weighing on you that your eyes are closed around you and closed to see the provision that he's got for you. He is trustworthy. His command is to be holy and set apart and have communion with him. That's what he wants from us. We're to show others that we are disciples now by the way that we love one another. Once we realize this for ourselves, this is a beautiful thing, but we can't stop there. That's actually just the starting line. And I know that's super hard. And I can imagine the unbelievable horror and terror that Hagar was going through in that moment. And I know it's hard. When we go through some of the hardest moments in our lives, it's hard to say God is good and I trust him. I'm seeing it through the shoemakers. If you don't know who the shoemakers are, that's PJ's parents. I'm seeing them do it. I, did, I preached a funeral for a six-year-old two Mondays ago who died of a bacterial infection. He died in 30 hours. He was gone like that. And on the floor of the hospital, while they're trying to figure out where to donate his organs to, she is saying, I trust God. I don't know how right now, but I know that he's faithful and he's gonna work this out for his good, for our good and for his glory. She was on the floor saying that. So circumstances can get hard. Circumstances can be brutal, but there is always a faith and a trust that we can step into and lean into. And what it does, it renews our strength. It renews that faith inside of us and we can begin to overcome. And us believing God who says he is, who he says he is, is just the beginning. That's just the first step. Then the next step is go therefore. 
We have to become disciples and then go therefore. And so I believe that this group has got to catch on fire for that mission. Go therefore. Who are your friends? Who are your family? What does your teammates look like? What what do their lives look like? Because I know what it can look like. It can look like sitting underneath a tree in despair, or it could look like sitting underneath a tree and crying out for God. Circumstances aren't any different. They're the exact same circumstances, but there's one that's got faith and hope for a brighter future and a brighter tomorrow. And so it's our goal and responsibility that God has given us now to go after that. Let's go after it. So who would it be? Who is it for you and your life? Even though we're in the middle of preview services, who is it? And what does it look like? And the question is, if you're not to that point yet, do you have faith in Christ? Do you have faith that he has been and he is who he says he is? John 4.10 says this, Jesus answered him, if you knew the gift of God and who asks for a drink, you would have asked him and if he would have given you living water, that thing he wanted to do in the physical, in the Old Testament, he wants to do in the spiritual now. Living water. Sir, the young woman said, I have nothing to draw from. Where can, you get li- where can I get living water than this? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well to drink from himself and his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered him, everyone who drinks this water will not thirst again, but whoever drinks this water that I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water that I give them will become a spring of water welling up inside them to eternal life. He's got that for us. He's got that for you. So let me give you just a second to ponder that as Jalen comes to, pray, uh, to play for us. Will you close your eyes, bow your heads with me? If this morning, if you feel like can be the first time or you want it to be the first time that you're actually putting your faith and trust in Jesus Will you look up here at me? If for the very first time you want to place your faith in Jesus, will you look up here at me? So for us who are here that are Christians in the room, let's go after his goodness and his, and his, his mission for us, full of faith, knowing that because he's done it in the past, he can do it for us here and now. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the gift that Genesis 21 is a baby that was born who would lead to be the beginning of the redemption of the world. Father, we thank you for that second baby, that baby of Jesus and the life that you gave him here on this earth, Jesus. We pray that we could live and love like he did. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray and all God's people said, amen.